You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. This morning we are in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians and it says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. That's where we're going to stop today. So I had this question from this pastor saying, what does she mean when God says, or when she said that God told her? And I'm wondering, haven't you learned to recognize by now what it means when God speaks to you? How and why does he do it? See, I think the issue isn't so much like the fact that God's not speaking. The issue is that we become critical and skeptical that we don't know how to discern what's God's and what's our own thoughts, right? We become very skeptical when it comes to the supernatural. The church in Corinth at this time, they're, they're full of all kinds of issues. They're newly believers. They come from different backgrounds, most of it paganism, most of it temple worship and idolatry and some really, really dark stuff. And so now the Holy Spirit is working in them and they're confused like, hey, how do we know this stuff is really from God? How do we know when God's really speaking? And Paul is answering this question by saying, hey, look, stop being skeptical when God does something and listen to him. Stop trying to argue about it. Well, that's from God, that's not from God. And start trying to make up all your own rules and regulations of what's from God and what's not. He's like, look, God is clearly doing something to you, in you. He is speaking. And I love this contrast. Verse 2 through 3. You know that when you were pagans, if we have it on the screen, do we have it? I want you to look at this, because this is the focus of today. It talks a lot about spiritual gifts, and over the next few weeks we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts. We're not going to really do that today. Uh, there's a lot more that Paul wants to say about that, and we'll look at that later. But I want you to look at this. When you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to stand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is Lord, or Jesus is accursed. Stop there. When they were in bondage... When Corinth was in slavery to paganism, they were in slavery to mute idols. Gods that did nothing, said nothing, and provoked nothing good in them, right? But they were in slavery and being led around by statues of nothing. But now, speaking with the Spirit of God, speaking, this passage, I want want to look at this real quick. How many of you guys have heard those verses? No one, no one um, speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. 
and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys have heard that passage in, in terms of like doing an exorcism? Like, say Jesus is Lord! Say Jesus is Lord! Ah, and things like freaking out. I mean, nobody's ever seen that movie before? Like, I've grown up in the charismatic world. I understand that concept. Like, if this is some kind of proof text that if we can just get the demon to say Jesus is Lord, it's all over and it's cast out. That's not what this verse is about at all. This is about the gift of tongues is now speaking up, and people are like, I don't know if that's God. I don't know if this is real. And Jesus is saying, Paul is saying, look at their heart. You cannot, in that culture say and proclaim the lordship of christ to that city and be somebody who's not had the holy spirit in you it doesn't make sense to fake it in that society right it doesn't make sense to speak in tongues show the gift of the spirit say that jesus is lord it doesn't make sense in that society because you would have been persecuted and oppressed for saying the lordship of christ there is a different lord in that kingdom there's a different god and it's caesar it's not jesus so to say that, Paul says, why are you trying to argue over who's being led by the Spirit here? Clearly they're proclaiming the Lordship of Christ, and that doesn't come out of the flesh. It doesn't make sense. Nobody chooses to live that life in that society. This has nothing to do with, like, exorcism and, like, I mean, I, I do, there's some truth in that, there's some validity, but guess what? The demons know he is Lord. You know, they know that. They know more of the Bible than we do. They recognize his Lordship. They just don't like to submit to him. They don't want to submit to him, but he has authority over that. Anyway, it's side tangent. These words have to do, he's saying, look, God is doing something. Your mute idols led you astray, but now the good and loving God wants to speak to you, and you're fighting about it. He's proclaiming the Lordship of Christ. These things are proclaiming his goodness and his new revelation. See, New Testament prophecy, New Testament spirit-led people don't bring curses and they don't bring fear they bring life to the body they proclaim the lordship of christ let me let me if i at the risk of running off on a tangent there are so many so-called prophets that are prophesying doom and gloom over america that is not biblical new testament prophecy we are called to edify and equip the church not put scare tactics and fear tactics into the heart of the church make sense I wasn't, this is not in my notes, New, tangent, risk of tangent, right here, insert sign, this is, this is dangerous ground I'm about to step into. So I'm in San Francisco this last week with Chris and his wife, just checking out the city, and when you're in San Francisco, you have to ride a trolley, right? You just have to. So we're at the bottom of the, we're in this line, an hour-long line to get on a trolley to go up like a 20-minute hill, basically. We could have took a, a, an Uber, it would have been a lot quicker, but we didn't, we had, you got to ride a trolley. And man, I got, the, I stood on the front of the trolley. And I'm just like doing the standard tourist, taking the selfies. Chris is like, I bet you wish you had a selfie stick. I said, never, never would I have a selfie stick. But anyway, so we're in this line. And as we're waiting in line, you have to kind of go in a, a semicircle, right in the heart of like where all the businesses are. There's this big open like courtyard type of thing. And that's where the trolley comes. It gets on this little turntable, turns around, goes up the other track. It's cool. So we're standing there. And there's this dude, like probably 35 cool looking guy right standing on a box bullhorn in the hand speaking the gospel and part of it was absolutely correct salvation is in christ alone through faith alone in him that's it that's the only way salvation the rest of it was you all are gonna burn in hell it's time to repent doom and gloom america is gonna burn in flames like this death destruction prophecy 
I'm telling you, when you look at the New Testament, every time you see prophecy, it's not doom and gloom, it's the glory of Christ. It's salvation and the greatness of a good and loving Savior. It's prophesying what God desires to come out of our lives, what God desires the church to be. It's never a negative thing. It's always come out of despair into light. Make sense? That's New Testament prophecy. We'll talk about that in the next few weeks. But here, this church is confused, and they're like, well, they're speaking in tongues. What if they're cursing Jesus? What if they're doing this? What if this is bad? And he's saying, that doesn't make sense. The Spirit gives life. He speaks life. He brings real change. Your mute idols led you astray. This is not the same thing. Verse 4 through 6. I want you to look at this. Now there are varieties of gifts with the same Spirit. There are varieties of service with the same Lord. There are varieties of activities with the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Does anybody notice something unique about that? He says, Spirit, Lord, and God. There are different empowerments that the Holy Spirit, God himself, speaks through us as a community of believers, right? Through gifts and services and activities. Spiritual gifts, we'll talk about them in the next few weeks. We'll describe them. We'll look at them in detail. But there are varieties of ways that God, the triune perfect God, is at work in you and I. The triune perfect God speaks and demonstrates himself to us and through us. Nobody looks happy about that at all. The God of the universe. Let me, let me go back at this again. The God who made everything, spoke everything into existence by him and in him all things exist and have their being. So at the, the thought of the Father, you would cease to exist. That same God says, I'm not mute like those old gods. I don't sit in heaven doing nothing. I come to you, I speak to you, and all of the Trinity is in and through you. I'm pouring myself through you. That's the beautiful news of this passage here this morning. I'm excited about it, whether you are or not. I'm excited about that. We, when we look around, when I look and see the gifts and the activities of the Holy Spirit and different people in this church, my default mode has to be seeing the hand of the Holy Trinity, the hand of God moving here, and not saying, I wonder where God is today. I wonder if God's saying something. I wonder if God's speaking to his people. I have to clearly see he is speaking to us. I desire for City Lights Church to be a church that sees the gifts more evident that we see these activities more abundantly, that we see the move of God clearer, and so we don't walk through our week wondering if God's spoken to me at all or not. I desire that each one of us in here wake up recognizing the voice of the Good Shepherd. We'll talk about that in a minute. When God speaks and moves through us, the, the Trinity, the work of the Trinity, is at work in the church. He is not a mute God. All of your idols are mute. But the fullness of the triune God is at work and speaking to and through each one of us. See, there are those who say, in, even in the Christian world, that God did his work 2,000 years ago, that the Spirit accomplished his task, and that now it's up to the rest of us to figure the, the rest of this thing out. It's just up to us to listen to Scripture, which is true, and just kind of do it, Right? That, that somehow God is like, he's done this work and then he's just sitting in heaven waiting to see how we play out, right? I would say that's not just bad theology, that's paganism. 
That's saying my idol does nothing. My God, my Trinity, my, my, the thing that I worship does nothing in my daily life. And all of the New Testament screams out, you're wrong. I am at work and I am speaking. To believe that God is distant or far off or just watching from somewhere or angry or aggressive and has no interest in your everyday moment, that to me is not bad theology, it's paganism. It's a bad God. It's not the God of the Bible. God is not mute. The whole, this whole book is about how we are connected to a real relationship with the perfect and loving Father. If you need some examples, James says if anyone lacks wisdom, go to God because he gives it freely. Hebrews says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That doesn't sound like a distant, quiet, mute God, does it? John chapter 10 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. How can we know a voice that's never spoken to us since we've been alive? John 14, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. How can I be taught, and how can I be reminded of things by somebody who never speaks? Have you ever tried to remind somebody by not seeing them, not looking at them, and not talking to them, not going to work. You can think it all day in your cubicle at work, but you're not going to remind your wife to pick up milk at the grocery store if you don't call her or say hello and say, hey, can you get milk, right? It doesn't make sense. The Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to us. John chapter 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. John says to us that the Holy Spirit only speaks with the Father. God himself, the perfect God, speaks to him to relate to us and then to basically prepare us for the future. That's what the end of it said there. The things that are to come, to declare to you the things that are to come. You and I, if we're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, cannot just know what to do now. We can be insightful and aware and speak prophetically for what's going to happen in the future. This is not crystal ball stuff. This is Holy Spirit stuff. Make sense? I hope you're tracking. Some people are mad at me right now. I don't know why. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You and I are called to be sons and daughters of God. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. It makes no sense to have a Christian... Christianity that's void of the word of God in your daily life. And I'm not just talking about this one. Everything we hear lines up with this. This is the filter to know if it's true, but I should be able to hear God speak and say, yeah, that was God. He led me this way. It doesn't make sense, but this is what he told me to do. This is where he's leading me today. Make sense? Our God speaks to and through his people. When I was in South Africa, I was, I was 18 years old the first time I went to South Africa. I mean, and I'll never forget this. We were riding with our, basically he was our, our pastor friend there, our connection, um, Pierre. And Pierre, we, we all jumped in the van. We're going out to the village that day. I'm 18-year-old with my friend Chris, actually. Uh, he was 16 at the time. So we're just kids. And we're in the van, and Pierre stops. He says, hey, guys, I want to ask you a question. I'm like, yeah. He said, what is God speaking to you today? And I'm like, ooh, jeez. Uh, give me a few minutes, right? I didn't have an answer. The next morning, I get in the van. Pierre goes, hey, Jesse, what's God speaking to you today? Guess what? I had an answer. 
I felt what the Holy Spirit was saying because I prepared myself to hear God the day before. And I was in that same preparation the next day. So the next day, I get in the van. Hey, Jesse, what's God speaking to you today? I'm ready. I have tuned myself in that season to be ready to hear what God was speaking to me that day. I'll never forget it. The one morning I knew that question was coming. And I also knew that we were, we were going to be told to go into the village that day and preach the gospel. This Jesse right here is drastically different than 18-year-old Jesse. I, I was the introvert of all introverts, and I was afraid of everybody over the age of, like, 15. So basically, I'm, and I'm getting dropped off in the middle of an African town, told to evangelize. That's ridiculous. But I'm like, God, Holy Spirit, speak to me right now. What do you want me to say? And I felt God say, Proverbs chapter 17. I look at Proverbs chapter 17. It says, preparation is for the heart of man, but the answers of the tongue is for the Lord. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, it's not your job to be able to answer every question they have. That's my job. Your job is to prepare your heart to listen to me. So I get out in the streets, and I'm with, with uh, a few of my friends, and I meet this guy on the streets. I'm like, hey, man, is there something I can pray with you for? I'm a Christian, and he believes in ancestry worship. And all of a sudden, for a half hour, he's asking me these crazy, deep theological questions, and I'm 18 years old and stupid, and I'm answering every one of them. And my group sits down behind me, and then at the end of it, they stood up and they said, who was that Jesse? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, how did you get all those answers? To this day, I don't remember any of the conversation, but I knew the Holy Spirit was at work because I put myself in a position to trust him to speak to me. Too many people in today's church don't trust that God desires to speak to us on a personal level every day. We think the only way God can speak to us is in our morning devotional book. You know, we got my utmost for his highest, and we're just like, that's the word of the Lord today, the end. Yeah, maybe that goes with it. Absolutely, it's encouraging. But God wants to speak to you personally. He is a personal God where the cross would never have happened. His resurrection would have never happened. The Holy Spirit would still be in heaven, not dwelling in the hearts and minds of every believer. The Holy Spirit is a gift that says relationship every day of your life. He wants to speak to you. So, let me ask you a question. When, when okay, so if there's a, a conversation, right? When is it difficult to hear a conversation? Right? What are the things that make it hard to hear conversation? I kind of put a few, because I just think about my relationship with my wife. Um, when I don't hear her, which is often, unfortunately, and I'm trying to get better at that. What are some of the ways that I can hear my wife? One, intentionality. When she's speaking, I have to stop doing what I'm doing and look at her and listen, right? I have to be intentionally listening to her. Secondly, I have to be close in proximity. There's been many times in our marriage that she'll start a conversation and move into a different room or a different floor of the house. I'll have to say, time out. I'm nowhere near you. Let me come to you or you come to me. I can't hear you if you're somewhere distant, right? The third thing is familiarity. If I don't know my wife's voice in a crowded room, could I know what she sounds like? Probably not. If, you guys know what I'm talking about? I have to be familiar with my wife's voice. I can hear my wife's voice right now. Not really. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not hearing voices. But like, if, if I wanted to pretend, like, if I know what my wife's voice sounds like. I know her tone. I know what it is. I'm familiar with tones of her voice. When she's excited, when she's angry, when she's passive-aggressive, 
when she's very, very happy. Like, I know those tones. You guys, anybody else? It's just me, bearing my soul, and now I look like I got a bad marriage. I got a great marriage. <laughs> but I know my wife's voice. And then the fourth thing that I would say that I've learned from me and my wife is responding is good. I used to think that in conversations, you only have to respond when there's a question. That's not true with my wife. It can be a perfectly ended statement with a period at the end. It still demands a response. I don't understand it, but it demands a response. She could be telling me of a discount she got at CVS, and I need to respond by, oh, wow, that's a really good sale. That, to me, as a man, that's not needed. But to her, it is, right? And I would say all four of those same things apply when we want to hear the voice of God, when we want to recognize the Spirit of God. We have to be familiar. We have to put ourselves in that position. We have to be in proximity. That means I'm letting my heart rest. Um, so that verse in Psalms, I believe, that says those who wait upon the Lord, right? So waiting has nothing to do with us sitting in our easy boy chair waiting for God to show up. Waiting, that term is literally like a hunter who puts himself in the right position knowing that the deer or God, the presence of God is about to move. You and I have to put ourselves in a position waiting for the Holy Spirit to speak. It's not some kind of accidental thing. Like God does do that, absolutely. But that's not what our daily renewing should look like. I have to be intentional about putting myself in a position of proximity to the work of the Spirit where he is moving and say, God, speak to me right now. I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening, and I will wait for you. I, I'm ready for you to come through and give me a word. It's positioning yourself. And response is good. When God speaks, it demands a response. Right? If you talk to your wife all day and she never responds, how many of you are likely to talk to her tomorrow? It's not going to happen. You and I have to put ourselves in a position where we don't doubt, where we're familiar, where we're close to the voice of God, and we respond to the voice of God. Verse 7 talks about each one of us is given a manifestation. That means that God shows up and demonstrates himself in a way that we can see, we can feel, we can touch, we can sense. It's not some concept, it's a manifestation. God speaks and manifests his word to us. God is active. We will see that we are to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. We'll talk about that in Corinthians later. We are to desire these giftings. But today, I want you to know that God desires to speak to you. But so often, we keep listening to our mute idols. That we can't even recognize the God of the universe when he is speaking wisdom and truth and power to us. I'm telling you, God is speaking to you. What is that idol that is powerless and mute that you keep being led astray by? I would say we all have to recognize that. We talked about idolatry in the last few weeks, but I think it applies today as well. These mute idols that we keep listening to and going after, and then we realize at the end of our week, at the end of our month, at the end of our day, whatever, if we ask ourselves, what is God saying to me? We might not have any answer. Is that mute idol your education? Is it your success? Is it pleasure slash entertainment, whether it's TV or, or theater or books or sex or whatever? Is it your relationships? Is it acceptance? Because let's be honest, we all are adults and we think that we are beyond 
this desire for popularity when acceptance is just another word for popularity, basically. We have this in, innate like longing to follow acceptance, to be accepted. I just heard a really interesting thing. Uh, this is another side tangent, and we're okay. It's 12 o'clock. You'll, you'll survive. Dinner, dinner will happen. So I was just listening to this podcast by, by Malcolm Gladwell, and he talks about, how many of you have ever heard of Wilt Stilt Chamberlain, right? Basketball player from the 60s. So this is a long time ago. Wilt Stilt played in a game where he set an unbelievable record that will never be broken. It just won't be. I mean, maybe, but probably not. It was set in the 60s. He scored 100 points, right? 100 points in the game. It's ridiculous. You know what he did, though, that's different, that's that's really astronomical about it. He had foul shots. He made 28 out of 31, I believe, or 32 foul shots. You know how he did it? Underhanded. Called granny style is how we say it. He did it that way. He was unbelievable because when you shoot that way, it's a more relaxed position for your body and you're more likely to make it in, right? Statistics show if you shoot that way, you'll make the majority. They actually did research on people who have never even done that kind of shot before and they made the majority of their shots that way. So he was shooting granny style and did great at it. There was only one other guy who ever did that in the, in the NBA and he had a great score. He was fantastic. I think in two years he missed like eight foul shots which LeBron James in a year misses 151, I believe. So that's a pretty big difference, right? Crushing the foul shots. Only guy to ever do it. You know why nobody else did it? Wilta Stilt stopped the next year. Went back to shooting the standard freestyle, whatever it's called. I'm not a basketball player. Look at me. I'm ridiculous. Anyway, shot a basketball. Started, he was awful. Awful at the foul shots. You know why he went back? Because he looked silly. He looked ridiculous. Do you know why most people don't shoot this way in basketball? Because they think it's silly or it's girly. That is the, the idol of acceptance, the idol of pride that says, I could perform better, I could live a better life, or I could be accepted by people. So many of us are led by these mute idols of acceptance that we don't respond when God is clearly saying, I want you to do this. I want you to speak this. I want you to change this. And we're like, oh, I can't do that. That's weird. It's a mute idol. Some of us are led by looks, trying to look good or have style or fitness. Those are all good things, but they're not good things. They can be empty and void and mute leading to vanity. We can be led by the mute idol of good works, which good works are good, but it also can lead to self-righteous pride. The next thing you know, we've spent our entire life doing good works, but never listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and having no relationship with a personal God. Your dream home. Man, we can spend a lot of time building our careers and our dream homes and the truth is it means nothing if you don't hear the voice of your creator when you wake up in your dream home, when you go to bed in your dream home. It means nothing if you haven't heard him speak today. We keep on injecting ourselves with whatever our drug of choice is and at the end of the day we find ourselves bowing down to these mute idols. When God 
saying, let me give you real joy. Let me give you real hope. Let me give you real power. Let me pour out my gifts on you. Let me pour out my works in you. Let me change your city. Let me change your world. Let me fill you with hope and joy and happiness that doesn't even make sense to you now. Let me give you that. And meanwhile, we just keep filling ourselves with whatever else we can think of. Whatever mute idol gets in our path. God says, instead of you giving your everything to these empty idols, why don't you let me give you my everything? Why don't you let me pour into you? I, I love this passage because a lot of us like to look and look at this passage and just kind of make a nice little bulletin list of, of all the gifts. And that's, we'll, we'll talk about all those gifts. But if we miss the fact that Paul is trying to communicate to this church that there is a real God who is speaking to you when your past has been empty and void. If we miss that fact and don't tune ourselves in to the words that God is saying, then we're going to waste a lot of time. And we're going to start arguing over what's God, what's not God, and, and then all of a sudden self-promotion, well, this spiritual gift's better than this spiritual gift, and that person's better than me, and, and if I had this, then I'd be... Paul's like, look, stop. God is speaking to all of you. And we'll talk a little bit more later next week about what that looks like in the church. I love that he starts off this, this section here. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You were led by the idols, but now we have to be informed. That everything else, all these other things that we consume our day with, they're mute and empty. I can't tell you how many times, and I'm making an honest confession here, that I've gone through my day, busy day. I, I have a lot of busy days, and I know you do too. We're a busy society, right? And we go through our days with family and friends and work and, and then entertainment, and we crash on the couch, then we gotta get our proper nine, eight or nine hours of sleep in, and we go to sleep, and then we get up in the morning, we do it all over again. At the end of the week, we have not positioned ourselves to hear the voice of God, the voice of our good shepherd. And I would say, if we are in that system, we don't recognize the joy of our salvation, the great sacrifice of the cross that's been poured out so that you can have real relationship in a vocal God. I, I have to ask this morning, I know this is, hopefully this is more exciting than some of you guys look right now, <laughs> because it's, it's good news. It's the good news of the gospel. There's no other God who does this. There's no other God who says, let me speak to you all the time. Let me have open relationship with you based on my works and not yours. It's just us listening. Us, us putting ourselves in that position, right? I have to ask the question, though, are, are you too busy trying to empower yourself that you are never being empowered by the Holy Spirit? All those things that I mentioned, all that list, that's good and empowering to our, our personal psyche. But are you too busy empowering yourself that you haven't let the Holy Spirit empower you. We're going to worship. And I'm going to be up front here. And, and Bob and Will and Hannah and uh, Martin. There you are. We're going to be up front here. I want to pray with you because I firmly believe it is not just, it's not just the job of the pastor to hear the voice of God speak to the congregation. It's the voice of everyone in here to speak prophesy what God is saying to us as a body. Make sense? It is a job that everyone in here who is a 
son or a daughter of God to hear what God said today and then live in response to it. And if, you're, if, you, if you can honestly examine your life and say, I don't even know if I know how to hear God or I don't know if I ever have heard God or I don't know, I don't, I don't know when the last time was. If that's you and you would like somebody to pray with you, it's like, there's no embarrassment here. I, man, I've been there. I'm putting both hands up and saying, yep, that's been me. I've been busy and I haven't listened and I've followed all these other idols. I'm putting my hands up too. But if you want prayer, if you want a clear revelation from the Father, then we're going to pray that over you. So let's let's stand and if you want that, we'll be up front. We're going to worship and we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to be a vocal God to us.